friends, it's us. I am Steph Beagle. And I'm Lauren Abney. And this is Well Behaved. We believe balance is a bit overplayed and way overrated. We've embraced finding our perfect blend of wellness with a twist of tequila. This podcast delivers wellness remixed from face slapping facials to the ABCs of CBD. Living your best life and finding what's right for you is what it's all about. Let's do this. Friends, it's Lauren. And my life leads into simplicity when it comes to makeup and skincare. I really qualify everything before giving it my money. But I realized that I should actually just start by washing my face. It honestly makes me nauseous that you don't wash your face because it's so pretty and you should wash it. I'm learning that I actually need to as an adult. But it's Beaks here. I am skincare product obsessed, clearly. And I'm also an anti-pimple freak who met Jordan, our podcast guest, during a pimple crisis. Ooh. Yeah, that scary dark night. (laughs) Pimple crisis has happened daily, but that's neither here nor there. This episode goes deep on one of our absolute favorite topics, skincare. Lore, do you think this will be our last episode on skincare? I'm going to guess no. Maybe even a hell no? It's a hell no. It's something that we talk about daily. So I imagine we're going to get every expert in-house that we can. Plus, I'm just figuring out this medical grade stuff. I get it and I understand why now I now understand why the products are worth so much more because they are the only ones that are truly regulated. Jordan gave me all the light on this topic. It's a little scary, right? You are clearly the expert in this category. So do you feel like you learned anything? I would say I learned a lot of things, but I'm also going to give myself a pat on the back because so many of the products that she talked about I own because this whole medical grade thing, I've leaned into it, understanding that sometimes it's okay to spend a little bit more money. I need to get rid of some of my old shitty products, but we could talk about that on another day. I would also say using the product so you know what actually works. We always talk about this. I almost need to do a case study because I buy 17 products and then use them all at the same time and I have no idea what What works. What did Jordan say? Three weeks, a month? Three weeks. took. Yeah, exactly. It takes a certain amount of time to create a habit. takes that same amount of time to test out a product. So- Let's test those products and learn a little bit more. Yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. Friends, we have an amazing guest on today. Jordan is both an inspiring and deeply curious esthetician and founder of The Beauty Clause, a project where she interviewed women across 15 countries on beauty standards. She cares not about the fads, but penetrates the why, the science, and the meeting of quality skincare. I met Jordan on a wonderful evening. I think it was a rainy evening. I remembered I was having a pimple crisis, which I have all the time. Is this true, Lauren? False. So true. Um, People think that I make up that I have pimples, but Jordan can even attest. That night, I think I was going on a date or going to some big event, and I was freaking out because I had pimples that I picked, and I was like, I need to get rid of them. And I made an emergency appointment to see Jordan, who I had never met before at Exhale. I walked in. She saved my life, but we also talked for the entire time about all things skincare and beauty. I asked her a hundred questions and she shared all the knowledge. Jordan, is this true? We did have a bond. And I, after that, called Lauren and said, Jordan knows everything. We are having her on the podcast and we're going to ask her all the questions in the world. We had a 20 minute conversation after she spent time with you that rainy, fearful night. 
And one of the first things I thought is if you spend your entire time during a service wanting to talk to the person, that's special. Totally. And I will say, I get a lot of facials in life. And I and not that I was cheating on my facials that I've been going to for like 72 years, but sometimes you need something different. And I feel like what you delivered outside of just the facial was this very approachable, scientific, but not like so scientific that I didn't know what you were talking about, approach to, to skincare that I felt was refreshing and informative. And I just can't wait for you to share all of that with the people. Are you excited? I am excited. I'm glad it wasn't a total overload. It wasn't. I, I feel like sometimes people ask me and I'm like, you shouldn't have done that. Totally. I was like, give me more. So we start with a question that we like to ask everyone. And I think we talked about that you love wellness as much as we do. But my first question to you is, what does wellness mean to you? In my mind, I think of the, have you ever heard of the trichotomy of man? No. Tell us more. It's like body, mind, soul, essentially where if you neglect one, it affects something else. So I feel like wellness to me is just kind of making sure that all of those areas are being taken care of. So like, if you don't feel good about who you are, it's going to affect the way you feel about the way you look. And if you're not taking care of your body, it's going to affect the way you feel. So I feel like all of it is kind of intertwined, just like taking care of your body and your mind and your soul and just making sure that all areas are being fed in some regard. Super into that. The trichotoria? What? The hell? <laughs> that sounds like an STD. I don't, I don't think uh, that's what she said. Trichotomy. Trichotomy. <laughs> you just named a disease. That was amazing. Okay. Well, I'd like to have both. No, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not what you I'd said. Like one. one of them for sure. We love that. So, how did you get into the skincare world? What's your journey? Because I didn't like my job, I feel like I sat there and thought of all of these things I could be doing instead which is probably where like the birth of the beauty clause started was just in my like, what else could I be doing with my life? Um, and so a couple of my friends and I were just sitting around kind of talking about different beauty standards and why things are important in different areas or why do you need to make the eyes look more almond or who said this needs to be this way? And so we were just kind of dissecting the reasons why. And they were like, what if in other countries it isn't like that? Or what if this is beautiful? Like who chose and is it the same everywhere? And so just kind of through that conversation, we launched a Kickstarter and then we did the beauty clause. So we traveled, started in Ireland, ended in Thailand, were funded. So it was really great. Um, just like interviewing and photographing women and just approaching strangers. And then through that time, my skin was like total shit. Like mm -hmm. it just, just, it blew up. It was horrible. And I couldn't like get it under control um, doing all of my fun um, blogger tricks sure. from people with just good genes. Um, so I just kind of became obsessed. And something about interviewing people about being beautiful when you're feeling like terrible just adds to it. So I felt like extra, I don't know, aware of everyone's skin, where I became obsessed with just looking at people's skin. I guess it's like if you're insecure about your legs, you notice everyone's legs or whatever it may be. So it was kind of through that process, just every single person we talked to, I was just obsessed with their skin. Like, oh, what do you do? And then like through that, you just kind of build these connections with people. Um, we're talking about skin is really interesting. And half the people that you talk to, the biggest insecurity that they have has something to do with their skin. So um, 
I went back to school. So I did aesthetics and then I thought I would maybe do makeup, but at that point I had just fallen completely out of love with it and only cared about skin. So that's amazing. Kind of my such my a process. cool trip, and I can imagine that you met incredible people. You are trying to fix your own skin while you're on this trip, but you can't even read what the ingredients are. I'm sure on the products, right? And I think it's great that you came back and changed your life because you would slowly die inside if you sat at an office job. Obviously, if you're this passionate about yeah. aesthetics. So something that I always wonder, and people ask me all the time, I'm like, I have an esthetician, and they're like, what does that even mean? Talk to our friends about estheticians versus like dermatologists and where key strengths or key kind of knowledge differs between the two. Definitely. I feel like, well, A, they're closely related and super, super different. Um, Dermatologists are trained specifically on skin conditions. So a medical condition, if you have psoriasis or eczema or dermatitis, a rash, you know, like it's, if it's a medical condition, they know what to do. Um, they know what to prescribe, but they're not necessarily trained on skin care. Mm. And I feel like there's a big misconception. Like if you have a breakout, oh, you go to your derm. But like, if your acne is like grade one and two, they don't know what to do. I don't know how many people I get that say, oh, their derm told them to use Dove bar soap and put Vaseline all over their face. Maybe you just need a few little tweaks in your skincare routine, or maybe you're not changing your pillowcase, or maybe you're talking on the phone and not cleaning your phone. Like just like little tiny things that you can do different. And an esthetician will be able to look at your skin and kind of assess what you need and then refer refer you to a dermatologist if that's necessary. Where like starting with the derm, they're going to prescribe you medication and then maybe that helps, maybe it doesn't. But if you don't change your skincare routine, nothing's going to really fix that. In that same vein, where do med spas fall? So are they more aesthetic or are they more clinical in a doctor sense? Um, both. Okay. So they're very clinical, but they're still, they're still estheticians there. They went through the exact same training. There's not like a special medical esthetician training. You get a job there, they give you the training that you need. And there are like different classes you can take that are more medical based, but essentially like where you learn like lasers and microneedling and all of that, but essentially it's the same people. Okay. And are med spas kosher? Are we, do we like med spas? Can we go to med spas? What do we do? Med spas are great. I feel like medical spas are, the best part about them is the products you can get there. Mm -hmm. So it's a medical grade skincare product. It's not a prescription per se, but it's a regulated product, um, which I think is super important to understand the difference between that. So I'm pro med spas. I work at a med spa. I work at a regular spa. I'm the same person at both places. So I know like you can have great talent at both. Yeah. Like you can be, you're just an esthetician, you know, like I think with med spas sometimes come a little bit more education on more advanced treatments. So if you're looking to just relax and lay with a mask on your face, probably not a med spa. Mm -hmm. That's not a good option for you. But if you want to get stuff done, then go to a med spa. So we're going to dig into products all day long. Well, we want to, but explain a little bit more around that medical grade 
product and why that's so important for people because I think these days in the world that we live in, so much is seen on Instagram, so much has beautiful bottles and beautiful marketing, but understanding that medical grade and what that means to your skin, I would love to learn just a little bit more on that. Um, So Sephora, for instance, would be considered over-the-counter. Anything you get at Sephora or Walgreens or anything like that is over-the-counter. Even if it says, like, Dr. Dennis Gross on it? Yeah, technically. Noted. Um, Are there products that you can get there that are fine? Yeah. Uh, The problem, though, is that it's not regulated. So there's nobody telling you what you can and cannot do with the skincare world. Like, in Europe... What do you mean? There's zero rules? There's not... No, there's not really any rules. So for instance, like Europe, they've banned like 1,500 ingredients or something. In the U.S., they've banned 30. I feel really uncomfortable with them. That. <laughs> That's not okay. So they can label it. Like obviously they list the ingredients, but mm-hmm. there's ways to get around. Like they could say we're paraben-free, and then they could list several ingredients that aren't necessarily parabens, but the way that they combine together are um, or like sulfate-free, um, just like little things like that where they can get around it. But there's not like, so the FDA, it's not a drug, so it's not being regulated by them. It's not a food. So there's just not like a category for it in the United States to mm-hmm. regulate it. So organic, natural, all of that isn't a real term. So clean beauty is not an accurate statement or it's it's a marketing Cleaner. ploy. Yeah. It's a marketing ploy. So I'm not saying all of them aren't clean. Like there's probably brands that have been striving to be clean, but just because it says clean or organic doesn't mean it is. This is really heartbreaking. <laughs> Where like a medical grade skincare product um, is regulated because it's considered a pharmaceutical. And it has to have a certain amount of active ingredients and they have to have a clinical study and they have to prove their claims. So any product that you're getting that's even like IS Clinical or Mm -hmm. uh, Skin Better, Epions, like all of those lines, um, SkinCeuticals, Elastin, all of those are medical grade lines, which means they're being regulated. They're having to prove what they're saying they have to have a certain amount of active ingredients. Their ingredients have to come from certain places. Like it's just a, it's a better system. It's more trustworthy where somebody else, they can't really make any major claims because they haven't tested it. Um, And most medical grade lines will only service dermatology offices or medical spas. So that's where a medical spa is a good place to go because if they're selling a line there, it's a medical grade skincare line. So you can know at least rest knowing that it's regulated. So we talked about regulation and that we want to have a certain amount of activated or meaningful ingredients. What are those ingredients that matter? Um, So it's not necessarily like the ingredient. Like you could go to Sephora and it will say like AHA, salicylic acid, glycolic, all of that, it's about the like way it's formulated. So it's not oh necessarily my gosh, we have like to be scientists. <laughs> yeah, there's I mean it's just such a messed up system. I <gasps> wish it was. 
Tell us more. We're just going to need to get a list from you so that people can know which products they can buy confidently. Um, So the products that I love or the ingredients that I really believe in would be like, obviously like AHA, BHA, alpha hydroxy acid, beta hydroxy acid. It's nothing super fancy. What is it good for? But an alpha hydroxy acid would be like glycolic, lactic. And what it does is, this is not a science-y way to say this, but it eats the dead skin cells from the surface. It's a great way to say it. I'm into that. Um, Where a beta hydroxy actually goes into the pore and eats oil. So Um, like that's why, and that's like a salicylic. Okay. So that's why people do like spot treatments where, oh, you have a breakout, put salicylic on there. The reason why you're putting salicylic is because it's oil soluble. So it's dissolving oil. That is a great explanation. So it's inside of the pore where the surface, like if you're using lactic, it's not really like getting in there, but it's where you're going to get like a glowy complexion. Which I think is a confusing name because acid in general, I didn't realize that that was actually hydrating. I've heard Mm -hmm. that hyaluronic acid is hydrating. Right. And I feel like people are scared of acids Mm -hmm. or like the word acid, but it can be very natural. I mean, salicylic could be willow bark. Uh, Lactic comes from milk. Um, Glycolic, sugar cane. So it's not like scary. Right. Acid just has like this connotation that's like, whoa. Right. Like I'm putting acid on my face. I think of sex in the city chemical peel. 100%. I think of my face burning off, but I also love, I love all of those. What are your favorite ingredients that relate to wrinkles? Because, you know, I'm just not a huge fan of wrinkles. I don't know too many people who love them. Totally. Um, so I retinol. I mean, I think retinol is a vitamin A. Um, it helps with cell turnover. I feel like it's been one of the more long-term products. Like it's that people have been using it since the seventies, and you can tell a huge difference in people who've used it only on their face and not on their neck. Um, just like the the difference between the two. So I think retinol is obviously probably one of the better things you could be doing. Why is Dr. Barbara Sturm's hyaluronic acid $7 million and then you go and you can get it from like the ordinary and spend like $9? Like explain to us, is there a difference in quality? Like why is it? Ooh, why she's is it, shaking her head. Yeah, she is. She's got a grin Tell on us. her face. Tell us. Um, I mean, I think it's ridiculous. I want to like it. It's super trendy. It's packaged beautifully. Mm-hmm. I felt it. It feels great. But there's no way it costs that much money. Because even medical grade skincare that costs a ton of money to produce because it has to be tested and it has to be created and all of all of these little things that go into making it medical grade doesn't cost that much money. So to have a Dr. Barbara Sturm, which isn't a medical grade, charging like $350 or more for a serum, it doesn't make sense to me. So is there different, and I think you and I talked about this at one point, like are there different quality levels of a vitamin C or of a hyaluronic acid? So let's take her out of the equation. There's a lot of other products that have the same ingredients, but they cost different amounts. So is there a difference in the actual like property of that vitamin that's going into that bottle? Um, so vitamin C is an interesting one because the it's a super unstable molecule. So if it's mixed with something that's not going to keep it stable. So for instance, trying to explain this the best that I can, but um, it has to be kept at a perfect pH of like, 
I think it's like 4.5 or something. So it has to be stabilized. Adding things to it, mixing it with things changes the pH of the vitamin C. You change the pH of the vitamin C and then you degrade it. Um, having it in a bottle where it opens and gets oxidized, has a lot of air in it, it degrades. So if you're getting something and you're putting it on your hand and you're putting it on your face, by the time it gets to your face, is it even vitamin C anymore? Crap. <laughs> this is like so different. We're going to have to get really uplifting soon. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about purchases yeah, totally. in a few minutes. But so that's interesting. Okay. So you just need to be careful. And like a vitamin C that's medical grade is formulated differently. Um, it's, it's a higher quality vitamin C. So there's like first generation vitamin C and second generation vitamin C. First generation would be like what they've been using since the 70s. And it's what you would be getting at like Whole Foods or people who get their vitamin C from Trader Joe's. They're using the first generation vitamin C. And so with that comes an unstable molecule where I think per kilo for wholesale of that vitamin C would be like, I think it's like 17 cents a kilo or something crazy. And then they mark up the bottle to like $50, where if you have a vitamin C that's medical grade, you're talking about thousands of dollars for a kilo. Wow. And then you have a $150 bottle of vitamin C, but is like the markup isn't that much more because production cost is different. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm learning a lot. So if Life. you're spending your own money, you're buying medical grade every single time. Yeah, every single time. Is there any market, any product on the market that you would buy at Sephora? Sephora. So I do like the Dr. Gross peel pads. Okay. Um, I think they're pretty good, basic little peel pads, but they're exfoliating. And I think they're good gateway for people who are scared of acids to kind of see like, okay, actually, this isn't that bad. Uh, actually, my skin looks good. And I feel like it's just like a gradual... It's like a gateway drug. Totally. Mm -hmm. I, I like the that. reaction that you feel from a product like that. You, you might get a little red and you think the it's tingly. Working. Yeah. It's yeah. working. Totally. So serums. I love serums. Love. My friends always are like, what's a serum? Why should I be using it? And where should I use it in my process? Mm -hmm. Over Overall, like different from a moisturizer, can you just explain like what a serum is? Obviously, there's a million different types of serums. but So a serum is a treatment. If you have something to fix, a serum is what you want because the molecule is a lot smaller, so it's penetrating deeper. Um, so, And they're formulated differently. So at first, I think before I went to school and was educated on the products and started actually using them, I thought like, oh, I'm never going to spend that much money for such a little bottle. But now it's my like go-to splurge product. For sure. Like I would rather spend very little money on my cleanser and moisturizer and just get a million serums because that's where you're going to see the change in your skin. Um, so yeah, serums are great. It soaks in. I love the refreshing feeling of it. What serum would you buy? I love active serum. That's like my go-to. The, the IS. Yeah. Is, is. IS clinical. Is, I love that is one. Is clinical. And they have a little travel one. And my like little hack is that I buy the bigger one, I have the travel one, and then I just keep refilling the little travel one because that's like something that you don't want to like get rid of when you're traveling, yeah. right? Biologique, I feel like, is so controversial. Are you a fan of it? I'm a fan. Okay. I got their P50 and I'm a believer. So I got the P50 and I got, I think the original first, which is the one that has 
the bad one the bad thing. Mean, I was saying it w- was formaldehyde. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was. It's, it's not. Yeah, that's what phenol, they put pigs phenol. in. That and phenol. I got phenol. Phenol. Yeah, exactly. I said phenol. Phenol, yeah, phenol totally. is a spice. Yeah, is a root. I did the same thing when I first said it. Um, what was interesting was I actually like almost had like little bumps. I like broke out and I wrote to them. Or I wrote to Rescue Spot, which is where you can buy it from, right? And I'm like, this is what's happening to me. My skin's really dry. All these things, and they're like, that's part of purging. Like you have to like get through that. And I kind of freaked out because like you don't want to make your skin feel that way. But now I'm back on it. I actually went and returned the one I got for the one without the fennel phenol. And <laughs> I'm back on my regimen, so I'll see. But people literally like live and die by that. Well, here's one thing that I have a question about. We buy a lot of products and because we want to test so many different things, should we be on a regimen with that product for a certain amount of time before we decide if we hate it or if we love it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's impossible to know if you hated it immediately. I mean, Mm, not everything, but like to know if it works, you can know if you hated it, but you can't really know if it works unless you were on it for a certain period of time. How long? I would say at least a month, maybe six weeks. Stephanie? Well, there's people like me who buy like 17 new products at a time and then I try them all at the same time and I never know what works. So I'm working on that, just so you know. But I just love I just love trying new things and I love products. But I always make the joke, like I have no idea what works. I only know things. Like I noticed very early on that P50 was causing a certain reaction on my face. But I think that's what we are saying. Like you know if it doesn't work or if it's doing something to your skin that it wasn't like that before. But definitely don't know if it if it works. Speaking of my problems in life. So if someone has a pimple like me, right? What is like the at-home either product or cure that you would suggest outside of running to you in the middle of the night and making you do like the zapper high frequency and all of those fun things? Well, definitely don't put apple cider vinegar on your face for the love of God. Totally. Uh, I feel like that's a thing people do. I would do. 100% do that. Yeah. I haven't heard that yet, but that would ab- absolutely be something I Googled and that I did. Yeah, you can get, definitely get a chemical burn from that. So just noted. Do that. noted. Um, I think it just depends on what's going on and what kind of pimple it is and where it's located. So let's play a game. Like if it's an undergrounder, right, that you haven't picked yet, what should you put on if it hasn't really like come to life yet? You should just exfoliate with an acid and don't touch it. Oh my God. That's so yeah, hard. Well, if it's under the <laughs> surface, it's like coming up from inside. That's right. like something that's going on inside of your body. Um, it's not something topical anyways. So even if you came to me, I could zap it with high frequency, but there's not a lot I can do about it. And I'm not going to dig it out because there's no reason to, your body will reabsorb it. It will go into your lymph nodes and your body will get rid of it naturally. So it's better if you don't touch it. If you break the skin open, you could get some scarring. Done that at least a hundred times. Now let's do, since we're doing rapid fire pimple examples, (laughs) let's say it's come to the surface. Maybe there's even a little whitehead. Can you squeeze it? If you are to squeeze it, is there a certain way to squeeze it? I love that we're going here. There's definitely a certain way to squeeze it. And you sh- and yeah. Um, I would recommend not squeezing it. Fair. That's not going to happen. Um, if you can, same, same concept, the white head, you just want to leave gonna it. You're going to walk around town with a white head yeah. on your head. I house. literally have gone to work, given facials with a white head, and been like, they're Whatever. not going to come back to me. I have literally a white head on my face, but I have to. 
I actually don't believe it looking at your skin, but yeah, her skin looks like a baby what, doll. Because we're not going to follow that rule, what is the appropriate way to squeeze it? So if you're going to squeeze it, uh, I would take a hot shower, kind of like steam it. And contrary to popular belief, steam does not open up your pores, but it does soften the oil in the pore. So if you have a pimple, that like sebum buildup is going to soften. You want to wrap your fingers in gauze or... Toilet paper, paper. <laughs> if you have to. And then lightly press on the edges and maybe like wiggle it a little bit. But you don't want to dig in because you can actually push that bacteria into another follicle and you'll get like a little cluster of pimples. I've totally, yeah. this is like a I've nightmare. that life before. Yeah. Where you I, pop it and you're like, oh, so much better. And then the next day you have like three more it's in a, a different monstrous. place. Because you just push that bacteria into another follicle. So you want to be really careful to just kind of protect it. And then I would also treat it afterwards. Okay. I often name them because like I do like I'll have this little cute pimple and then all of a sudden I like make Frederico arrive because like I push the shit inside the shit and then I wake up and it's like a monster. So that's good to know. Speaking of treating it. So like what is, you know, there's all these like drying cement. I feel like that you put, I love putting different color things on my face. What is like a good product that you feel like is a good either drying or treatment product? So for me, if I have a pimple, I just put active serum on it and call it a day. Um, if it's just one pimple, yeah, you can do like a spot treatment. Okay. Benzyl peroxide is fine. Not like the kind of peroxide you buy at Walgreens, but like an actual one for your face. Um, Noted. That puts like oxygen into the follicle and clears out the bacteria that way. So that's kind of how that one works. Um, I would advise you not to overdry it because I think people go a little overboard. They get a little crazy with the spot treatments. And sometimes you're breaking out just because your skin isn't balanced, um, not because you're too dry. And people think this term like dry it out, but the pimple's not wet. Like there's nothing, you don't need to dry it out. <laughs> I 100% think dry it out. Yeah. Like when my skin was breaking out on my trip, I was using like every drying thing possible. I was scared of moisturizer. Anything that had any kind of moisture in it was terrifying to me because that meant I would break out magically. Like it just honestly like doesn't make sense now when I say it out loud, it's so stupid. But I think that's a common misconception that the adding moisture is not gonna be good. When sometimes if you're breaking out, you need to switch moisturizers and maybe you just need more moisture. You have to like rebalance and kind of figuring out what your skin actually needs. Cause it could just need some balance. It doesn't necessarily need to be more stripped. That sounds like a biologique. A uh, little issue right there. Ugh. That sounds like a biologique issue that could be taken care of with some balancing. Yeah, for sure. So my next favorite topic, which I like, am obsessed with and people ask me about all the time, is lasers. There's BBL, there's DOT, there's Halo. What the hell are all these different lasers and do they have different purposes? Can you break it down for us? Sure. So all of them kind of have a different goal and it depends on what you're needing. But if you're doing like IPL, BBL are both intense pulse light. Um, it's attracted to pigment. Um, so if you have sunspots or something like that, it will go in, break up that pigment, bring it to the surface. It'll, what they call coffee grounds, it will kind of create almost like a scab at the surface, but it's not a scab and then it will flake off. So that's the role of IPL. It's mainly to target pigment where then you have fractional laser which targets water. So it goes into your dermis, causes a controlled damage, triggers your body to send collagen. So it's great for scarring. Um, 
The halo is actually, it's ablative and non-ablative, which means it's actually resurfacing the top layer, but it's targeting the lower level too. So it's like a fractional laser. Interesting. From the images I've seen from Halo, it seems fairly intense. Yeah, because it's ablative. So ablative is like more downtime, more intense. Right. So non-ablative is like less downtime. So if I needed a refresh, I have a little bit of pigmentation and scarring from mm, doing exactly what we talked about, picking my face, and I just want to look younger, brighter, et cetera, with the, what laser would you recommend for me? If you don't have any massive sunspots, I would say um, fractional laser. Well, and I think my friends are really into it, and I haven't done it yet, so I think they'll be my next thing. I definitely want to try it. And I think people get scared, too, by the downtime and the pain, right? Like, I mean, I've gotten numbed. I, get, I guess I got numbed for microneedling. Do not get numbed for any of the other lasers? Uh, not really for lasers, but for microneedling, for sure. I think one of my friends recently went, Allison went, and got numbed for... What laser did she get? I think it was a fractional laser. Okay. But yeah. it was probably ablative then. Okay. Whatever. Yes. Whatever you said. Ablative. But the pain isn't terrible, right? It kind of feels like a rubber band, like flicking across your face. Mm -hmm. And from a downtime perspective, I think everyone's different. But to your point, sometimes it can be a weekend. Sometimes it can be a day. And then for some of the deeper, more aggressive lasers, it can be longer. Is right. that a fair statement? Mm -hmm, for sure. So... We're obsessed. There's people who don't even know where to start. If you could tell a beginner, like this is just start with getting a cleanser or start with getting a facial every X amount of weeks or month, what would be like your one tip to a beginner? So this is the tip I usually give to people who are really reluctant to spend more than $12 on something if they haven't really been doing anything at all. Definitely not my problem, but continue. I will just tell them like, what's your biggest issue? If they're having like flaky skin... Okay, invest in a moisturizer. Buy a medical grade, awesome moisturizer. Spend the money on it. Keep your other bad products, but use that one at least. And then I feel like once they start to see their skin change, they're like, oh, wow, okay, I'm never going back to that other moisturizer. And then they're more willing to invest in the next product. Um, so I think it's a good start. So if your biggest issue is like dual complexion, invest in an exfoliant. And just kind of see how it goes, where whatever your need is, just pick one product and go from there. Well, we love this. Spa services, including facials, are one of our favorite things that we like to do. We like to ask all of our guests, what is the one self-indulgence where you really treat yourself and continue your wellness practice? Um, I, I, I read this question prior, and I honestly, I don't know. What? Oh my God. Where do you splurge? I on skincare. So it seems like you do you. It seems like a weird thing to say because I'm just like, that's what I do. That's what I love doing. So I'll splurge on skincare. I'll buy something crazy. I'll lay under an LED light for an hour. I don't know. I just like You do all the things. I do all the things. My splurge is not like oh, I buy this one thing. I okay. go. Your skin is glowy and beautiful, and so whatever you're doing, we're gonna actually write down everything. And we have plenty of other options that we can give you on where you can spend your money in terms of other wellness tactics. Awesome! Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom. Thank you for being my friend after our one hour of <laughs> pimple crisis one v one because I'm sure there'll be many more. And we only have a hundred more questions for you, so you're gonna have to come back at some point. Yeah, gotta go. It's a one on one consultation. Time.
Totally. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Friends, this has been fun. Thanks for spending some quality time with us. If you need more of us in your life, we totally get it. Follow us on Instagram at wellbehavedpodcast. Also, we aren't selfish. Tell us what you need and want to learn more about by sending us a note at wellbehavedpodcast at gmail.com or slide into our DMs. We prefer that anyway. Until next time, stay well and somewhat behaved.